0: This is The Tribe Mastermind, where we talk business, purpose, and passion with your hosts, Jordan Muela and Steve Welty. If you're ready to shift into a bigger future, then this is the show for you. So plug in, buckle up, and get ready to be. Guys, we have another episode of The Tribe podcast that is happening right now these three minds are about to meld their consciousness to hopefully add some value to you and your day we have the honorable clint collins here on the show clint thanks for joining us what's up
1: where are you tuning in from today i'm in idaho sunny sunny idaho no it's freezing cold there. it's stupid it makes no sense
0: <laughs> nice all right well uh Excited to have you on. This is the first, Steve. This is the first episode we've actually done with a tribe member, correct?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. First tribe member. Rita was on the other other time, but she's she's a partner more than a member.
0: <laughs> so what's uh what's some background here, Steve? Because I know you've known Clint for a while, and Clint was kind of involved in the early on formings of of tribe. Give us some background.
2: Yeah, man. Clint and I were in a mastermind. He joined my mastermind. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I had a a mastermind that I started back in the day. And uh, Clint was one of the guys that responded and said, I'd like to do that. And so that was maybe three or four years ago, five years ago now. I think, yeah, like
1: five. I remember uh, someone asked me about that and I You know, it's funny, but I think I was the only jerk. that was like, are you screening who you let into that? (laughs) You remember that? I had all these, who are you letting into that? What are your criteria? Like I I wanted to set up a tenant screening for your mastermind. Do you remember that?
2: Totally. (laughs) I I do. And that was helpful actually. Yeah. I I did have some screening. You know, I I was, I think it was, you had, there were some books you read, what your goals were, Uh what's, you know, what did you do last year? So yeah, I think you helped me. That was the first 80% I think
1: we ever did. Yeah, right. It was brilliant because a lot of other people have tried and failed at getting a good property management mastermind together, and that ended up being a group. I mean, within like two years, we were all sharing houses and events, and just doing some really, really cool stuff. I think every person that's in that group is just like best thing they ever did. I've sat at tables and listened to them say that's the best thing I ever did. It was just really cool. Yeah, it was a good one. We did start eighty. That was the start of the eighty percent.
2: There you go. Yeah, and I remember when you. You used to use that term all the time. And I think about the 10th time you used it, I was like, what the hell? What does that mean? (laughs) What what are you saying? (laughs) Why are you so lazy that you only 80% things?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. You're like, oh, I just take it 80% and then I give it to you and then you can take it the next, you know, 80%. And so... We don't always have to make it perfect, just kick it around, make it a little better. And that was something cool that came out of that. And that I think is really cool in Tribe. And I'm trying, you know, we're trying to cultivate more of that is the co-creation part. It's not just like the sharing the ideas. That's great. Yeah. But it's, it's like the co-creation. It's um, the iron sharpens iron. It's, it's um, you know, take my system, make it a little better, kick it back to me.
1: I think the first after that was the, uh, you're going to love this, dude. The screening system the scoring one where you score the people and you completely get it off your plate for screening tenants. You remember, remember kicking that back and forth a couple of times? Yes. So the 80%, I sent it over to Steve. I'm like, Hey, here's what we're doing. And he adds his magic touch to it and kicks it back. And it came because I was such, I would overthink and overprocess things. And it was like, I get it to a point and kick it out a little bit of the, uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that took me a lot to get that point, but you're going to love this. Like last week, someone sent me one of our old screening forms. Said, "Have you ever seen this?" (laughs) Because we remember we—I've sent it to you, and I know you've shared it with others. And it's a small community. This thing has made its way around and refined. And I get this thing, and I'm like, "That is pretty." (laughs) Hey, where'd you get this? And it's like this family, like genealogy trace back to, and it ends up like, "Yeah, that was ours, like five years ago."
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. That seems like so archaic. Yeah. Now, yeah,
1: but, it worked. About it. <laughs> but it works. Man. It worked. I know it worked. Nice. I dig it. So, so Clint,
0: you were in the room in San Diego with me when that first, uh, like in-person kind of new mastermind thing happened in San Diego. And you probably remember, like I do, like it ended, and Steve like kind of pitched tribe, and you could like see him kind of like sweating a little nervous with it, which I like. I loved, like I love being able to see somebody go through like the birthing pains of like starting. Oh something. man, I was so <laughs> scared. <laughs> the bravery that it calls out to to do something new, to have courage and to
1: progress. I rest. wasn't even the guy doing it, and I was like sweating, and <laughs> I was like, I even I'll admit, dude, I was like the guy that was like are you really going to do this? <laughs> that scared me to death. Oh my goodness. That's what's so great about the Steve dude.
2: <laughs> you threw it out there. Yeah. Thanks man. Thanks. I, I remember. Yeah. I went to Clint. Uh, a couple <laughs> hours before the end. And I was like, Hey man, should I do this? Like, what do you think? <laughs> I was probably like, like, Oh, hell no. You were like, it's up to you. <laughs> cause, uh, cause that first event, it, it it was good and and I think people got value, but um, I learned a lot. And this was what before tribe. This was I called it like the list, yeah, mastermind. And there was like twenty something people, twenty five people, and um, you know, I just I think I was just looking for excuses to back out of my plan. <laughs> then the then the damn bracelet that i made i had on and i'm like it's my whole motto is doing things that scare you so i'm like oh, i have to do it
1: <laughs> yeah so but ha- being i hey i'm an i'm an observer and being at that one and then being at the one in austin dude boom boom yeah so, like and i thought the first one was amazing honestly like you guys go to a ton of events and stuff where else do these conversations take place what i mean where those that's where the real value is like you know i used to fly to events just. To, for the chance to take Melissa Pranny to the airport. You know, that's like an old joke, but I did. And it yeah. was like, I went to this whole event, was there a week. I drove Melissa Prandy to the airport when she needed it. And that changed my whole business. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have those little moments with people that know something or are ahead of you in the game. And it just, so to have a whole day around that, you saw me, I was just sitting there staring at Ron Sudman the whole time going, seriously, I get to talk to him all day? This is phenomenal. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And the only person that knew was you, Clint, about kind of the next step because you'd kind of help me with the idea and and formulating it. And then uh, so Jordan didn't know. And I remember seeing Jordan, you were just like smiling ear to ear when I was like giving the, the whoa, pitch whoa, 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 you love to see me squirm i don't know what it was no,
0: <laughs> and, and, bro it's electric to see somebody like put their ass on the line and yeah. say, like, I created this you know will you like it love it or reject it and hate it you know? Right. And, you know the ambiguity man that's that's what the uh that's the creator's impulse and desires they're compelled to constantly go through that loop over and over and over again that's what turns me on man every big yeah. thing i've ever done at some point was just an idea in my brain you know who knows yeah who? you don't know until you put it out there it's true yeah
2: and it was a good event i think i probably can't be objective because i'm like my first one i'm gripping i'm i'm uh, you know <laughs> i'm like
3: trying to awesome. a visual
2: visual like uh, confirmation that everyone's enjoying themselves and it's funny uh jason my friend jason told me like never require visual confirm or never like count think visual confirmation is required that People are enjoying themselves. He's like, sometimes i people out of nowhere will buy my coaching program. And I'm like, he's like, who are you? Like, I've never even I thought you hated me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh,
1: Other people need like five trial calls and <laughs> yeah, the
0: uh the assurances, man. That that comes up for me from time to time with some of the coaching work or in in giving people advice about something else they should do. This line of like, I just need to know it's going to work. You know, I'm thinking about doing this or that program, but I just, I really need like a guarantee that it's going to work. Like, <laughs> like, like life doesn't come. Dude, like
1: I that. do that to you. Have you noticed that? I'm laughing so hard right now. I do that to you. What well, we had in an event was a bunch of people like, Jordan seized under the hood of a bunch of companies. And I just start like, oh my gosh, like, I shouldn't do that. That's rude. <laughs> but I'll be like, dude, you know what's going on out there. Hey, what do you got? This and this and this. And it's so funny, dude. I apologize publicly for There's doing this. that to you and multiple times.
0: <laughs> it, it's yeah. I mean, you want to verify that somebody knows, knows their goods, but at the end of the day, any program, like it's all, it's all uh volitional. Like you have to implement, you know, you it's show. what you make of it. It's all right. what you make of it. And that's why that is the the transition or the pivot with the first event in San Diego And like the last one that we did before PM growth, Steve, if you ask like, what's the difference, there's more intention, there's more experience, there's more structure. But for me, it's about commitment. You got a smaller number of people that are all in, they're committed Mm -hmm. to being there themselves and committed to other people. I think commitment is the difference for me in terms of the, the quality of the experience.
2: Yeah. Commitment was definitely the, uh, the catalyst. I think the, the important part. But, uh, we also did put a lot more and that's what I wanted to do. And that's why I was fired up to start this mastermind was <clears throat> I saw so much of the value for masterminds, but then there's no structure, there's no format. And so to actually get a little, get some money and make it a business and then be like, okay, now I'm going to actually put my thinking hat on. And Jordan and I, and other people who helped, um, you know, Clint helped some ideas and stuff, uh, of like, what, what are we going to talk about? What's, what's the real issue here? Um, you know how are we going to pull out what's really going on? Because a lot of times the problem we think, you know, is not the tactical issue we think we're having. A lot of times it starts with our mindset and our, our way of being in the world and, Mm -hmm. and kind of just like, we're going the wrong direction to begin with, you know?
0: I I dig it. So that's a great segue. So Clint, walk us through your career and your background for those that, they don't know. You're kind of like a, a ghost now in the industry, right? Like if you kind of had um, the cycle of going through the exit, you'll, you'll show up for, for a moment,
1: you know, show yeah,
0: and then and then you're out. But like, how did you get to this point? What's your background? In, in I don't
1: that? know. Maybe I'm just an old dog. I don't know uh, why that is, but it's the truth. I can't sit through the full week of anything anymore. I just don't want to. So I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, I used to like, feel bad about that but i just i don't anymore it was the last two narpum events we ended up sailing and taking people on uh doing some fun stuff during the event i was there and i still didn't go that's not a good plug for narpum but i would say you got to start there um i don't know what what do you want like that i i started buying i went and managed a 20 something unit complex in college for the free rent and uh, this is because we were working on a dog farm before that. They like did sled dog racing and we were, I was picking up dog crap all day and we got free rent for that. I was just after free rent. Here we are skipped to 20 years later and I still just am looking for free rent. Let's. Go. <laughs> but no, and then just built from there uh, started buying properties. That's probably the different angle. I am. You guys might've noticed that one of the masterminds I asked, how many of you like own units? Mm-hmm. And I am amazed that we went that path. The, the, we, we were buying properties first, and, and then we figured out how to manage them. And I'm a high fact finder. So I go and I tour all the franchises thinking we're going to buy one of those. And I I do... I just go... That's how I met Ron Sudman and, and all the awesome people that are doing franchises. We were almost doing that. Um, created some great friendships there. but just And then we started getting asked to manage for other people more and more. And it just grew from there. But all of the reserve money went towards our portfolio and i think you just i think you move through the world a little differently when you become the goal is to become our biggest client so i i you know the property managers don't buy property and invest property i like you're missing out on insider trading and it's totally legal like that's how i look at it like seriously i'm 15 to 20 percent ahead of all the other investors if it's in my management company because all that passes through And I'm just baffled by that because it really feels like insider trading. Well, when that hits, when your portfolio hits a certain point, you just kind of move through space differently. And it's very different. Like when I first started NARPM, huge, huge shout out to that. All these services and stuff that are available now weren't really there. So NARPM was just so awesome. And you'd go there and just have these connections. And, you know, I remember uh, Tony... Yeah. He took like five minutes to talk to me when we were starting out and, and we really connected. And I would go to the conference for that five minutes. Tony would talk because he'd come up and be like, Hey man, how are you doing out there? And we talk, and I would keep, I, that that was like my goal. Mm -hmm. So when Steve threw out the mastermind, like five years ago, I had gotten into the consulting out in Guam. Uh, My company was running really well. And, uh, I'd I'd gotten to where I would leave it for longer periods and it'd get even better. And uh, when Steve threw that out, that's what I was missing. I kind of got separated from the community of property managers and that connectivity uh, is what that brought back. And if you notice, like, you know, there's commitment and the other things, but this last event we went to, there's a connectivity that starts to happen. Uh, And I've heard sometimes it takes a year in a group, but I think our group has done it in like, three, four months because of the WhatsApp and the, and the staying in touch. Um, yeah. They started to feel connected. And what happens is people start to share more mm-hmm. and it's go, go giver, man. Uh, people start giving way more. And I'm always like, I, I leap right to that. I love, I love sharing, but it's funny to see people react. Like some people will give back and other people just be like, yes, give me all that. And they're not usually the ones that don't last, but that's kind of, that's the shortest most not give you as much detail as possible to how I got where I am right now. All right. So, so just that
0: last piece though. So you're running a management business for a while. You have the intention of using it to build your own portfolio, take advantage of the deal flow, um, make those investments. Eventually you get to the point where you want to be out and you have an exit. I'm just curious for those that have thought about going through an exit. They know it's on the horizon sometime for you. What was the triggering event? And like, what was your psychology
1: process? Oh, great. Um, when you build a good management team around you, you got to provide opportunities for them to progress up. If you surround yourself with growing, learning humans, but you sit on top of the throne, a game of throne reference, someone's going to try to kill you or they're going to leave. But you're sitting there and you need to either open other offices, have other leadership positions. Um, mine was, okay, I'm in the way, like, but I started as a receptionist, you know what I mean? And I checklisted it and then moved up. Property manager checklisted it, moved up. Accounting checklisted it, moved up. All the way through the company, um, and it got to where I'm in the way. That was a weird season of life. I think uh, Steve knew a lot about that because I was like, "I'm taking a month off. Let's see what happens." Because there's that like, I mean, I've thrown that challenge out to a ton of <laughs> a ton of people, and I've never had someone come back and go, "That was the worst thing ever." They're always like, "That was amazing," mm-hmm. because it's like a vacation. Like on the buildup, you get all these things in place on your company, then you leave. And you learn what you're actually needed for. You learn how great your team actually is. And when you get back, you realize you were caught up by noon on Monday.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: you're like, I really am not as special as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. But they, I had to provide those upward positions and even hit a point, you know, we sold our main management company at one point to provide even more upward mobility as they try to go and do a national property management company. It's kind of fun. And that was a good opportunity for some and not for others. It wasn't... Uh, best of fit for me but uh now i'm starting back over that's the interesting thing is i came to that first event going would you guys get back into property management if you had a clear door out of it like you're talking exit strategy i was out dude i was i was out i was property owner getting a check you know and i've chosen to go back in and i call it the boat because it's like buying a boat you're like all right i guess i gotta put the depth finder on it and get bigger motors and get the jet engine. You're like, but it's a dinghy. And you're like, well, it'll
2: get bigger. <laughs> Dude. I love that concept. And Jake uh, said that at our last event in Austin, where he has that event space, Jake's another tribe member. And he has this event space that he's like running comedy shows and weddings. And we were like, well, why are you doing that? And he's like, it's just my boat, man.
1: Yeah, it is. It's such a good analogy. He's like, my business friends, they buy like, really nice car or a boat and looking at it that way. Think about that, dude. Like I <laughs> allowed him to have fun with it. Yeah. And you look at it so differently. Like he's like, uh, I didn't want a boat or a Lamborghini. So I bought an event center and started hosting comedy shows and stuff. And you're just like, because otherwise you'll get caught up in the financial issues of yes. it and everything else. Yeah. And you'll, but if you go buy a $200,000 boat, you don't treat it like that. You know, right. you be like, woo. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, that's awesome, man. Um, something else real quick on the own, own biggest client. I have. I, that's probably one of the best things that you helped me get back in line with, Clint, was getting back in touch with why I started the business. I think we lose track of that as business owners a lot. And the reason I got started in the business was because I wanted to own 100 houses and I wanted to know how to manage them and I, I bought some houses and i you know still own some sold some but i woke up one day and was like whoa i'm never even i'm not even close to 100 like w- what happened <laughs> you know and so uh that and that sounds, that sounds really sexy by the way like own biggest client it, i'm like I, I grabbed onto that and um we got repivoted into and that really reenergized our team in the last 6 months we've been meeting once a week and uh going and buying pro or, you know looking at properties uh we're an escrow in escrow one property now and then we even uh named the LLC OBC own biggest client.
1: Wow dude I love it. it it changes the- <laughs> doesn't it change the way you run your management company? It totally
2: changed <laughs> I mean it really fire it really fired up the team and um and we're partnering in this first deal with uh an local investor and and the cool thing is we're going to be able to bring management to the table. And he has the capability to find these off market deals. And oh. the cool thing is, is he feels comfortable with it. Cause he knows that we're going to be the owners of the property. He's like, yeah, I'm not really worried. Like our, I told him, uh, our owner, uh, notification, we'll notify him if it's two grand or more, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah I don't f- I don't feel like you guys are going to rip me off
1: because you nice. own it, right. Dude, you just turned your, all of your staff into property owners. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. They will walk differently. They'll talk to your clients differently. They'll talk to tenants differently. You know what I mean? When owners call in, they get a different treatment because we're all on the same team now. How often are you with property managers where it's like this conflict? Like, there's a you got that negative death spiral where they say oh, tenants suck, all oh, these freaking greedy owners. Ah, and it's like, first of all, no, <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? But I wanted to ask you, Clint. So, like a couple a couple people are going to be in the LLC with me and uh, a bunch of people opted out. But when you say we bought properties, who's we on your end?
1: I'm just a sucker for the we language. Always have been. Sorry. (laughs) I got, (laughs) I got my master's in vocational rehab. I'm one of those guys that should have never been in property management. Like, uh, my wife on some partners on some, uh, we it's usually there's usually other people besides me you know what i mean like yeah ever done it's like i i i uh no uh the first one we would be my wife and i uh yeah you could go through like there's always we i don't know yeah sorry i do that all the time i I like getting called out on that too what do you mean we (laughs) uh yeah that might have been just me but but
0: did you have any the question is did you have any employees or team members that all that participated
1: i went a different route like jake dirksy has one too and i steve did a great podcast interview with him about this team one but i went a different route i had so many people asking me like hey how do i get into this like rental property stuff and i'd have these long conversations i'm always like to help but they wouldn't do anything. Like there's one insurance agent I know of and hopefully never hears this because like every two years he's like, Clint, I really want to buy some property. And I'm like, yeah, we met for lunch the last two years and two years before that. Have you done anything yet? (laughs) So I switched it with my team because the team sees this to, uh, anyone that would ask me, I'd say, Hey, read this book. And then let's get together and talk about it. You get this stuff in your head and then I'll go all in with you. And I'd give them the book, you know, give them the book and, uh, It was a millionaire real estate investor by Gary Keller. Nothing, nothing deep, nothing. It's like 101, right? Millionaire real estate investor. It's his basic principles. But the the point was if they won't read the damn book, they're probably not going to actually buy a property. So it created that barrier. Well, this is what happened on my team. I started high as we started thinking that way and moving that way and building a team. You had these people who uh, did it. And So it was like, read the book. And so they saw uh, Tyson is his name, comes out of college. He's, he's hey, how do I get into this? Like, And I go, read this book and we'll talk, man. You bet, anytime. And he did, two weeks later, he's like, hey, I read the book. And I'm like, oh, crap. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So then I start and I go, if I was you, I'd buy owner. He's right out of college. I'd buy owner occupied and I buy a new house every year. And I'd move up that. and, And I got in connected with a really good agent. And we, we would look at him. We'd go look at the properties with him and we'd run the numbers for him and stuff. It was really kind of fun. And the other people in the office saw that. So then the next person I hired was someone that knew him and he started buying properties. And pretty soon you have this team of investors. Uh, Tyson has six homes right now. And now he's moving into the multifamily world and moving up and doing more. But he started real just out of college, no money. How do I do this? And I was like, well, for you, this would be the path. And that worked out really well. So I never had the employee fund. I always wanted to. I love like Jake and Steve and there's the other people out there. Will I'll talk to them about it and I'll be like, and I'll be kicking it around for like six months and I'll come back to be like, Hey, I'm still thinking about it. They're like, oh, I started that. Like I get that. From Steve and Jake, all the, oh, I started that. I got an employee fund going. I'm like, Oh man, why do I overthink that? Stuff? <laughs> but no, I ended up with investors on my team and they ended up, And they're not going anywhere because now they have the in-house management and they're not going anywhere. And they, it it was really good. It is really good. And, and, and I actually enjoy that more than a lot of other things like seeing them. That's fun. You know, that's the good stuff. When you see people changing their lives and doing that, you have to bring that to property management because otherwise you'll end up like kicking your dog and beating your wife or something. I know Tony used to have a line like that where it was like, just, You'll end up miserable, you know, if you don't. And that was like, uh, I never did that stuff, by the way. I don't, I don't kick my dog. I don't.
2: <laughs> hey, Clint, I wanted to ask you. So, you know, you sold your last company and then you've got the new one going now. It's a smaller portfolio that you're kind of treating like your 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 fun project and whatnot. But way fun. Yeah. Like how you said you were having a lot of fun with it. Like, how are you balancing being in the weeds versus having fun? Are you just looking at it differently? Or are, are you saying like, Hey, I'm going to get really dirty for like six months and then I'm going to hire someone. You know, like, like, how are you, what's your Dude,
1: outlook on this business look like? All right. I'm going to mastermind this with you guys right now. Okay. Yeah. The first time in the business, I was like, kids got to eat. Right. So the company had to make this before I could, Oh, there's a great new marketing thing or I need this employee. I can't hire them. We can't go backwards. You know what I mean? Like you got kids, every, Like, we had to eat. So it was like bare knuckle, climb the hill. And there's a few acquisitions in between there, sold some uh, portfolio type acquisitions, bought some offices, tried starting offices from scratch in other areas. Um, so I do have a lot of the um, start new offices versus buying your way in. We did a lot of stuff like that, but this one feels really different because... um I don't know where to I'm funding it. So, you know, the start with who we've learned so much, like, you know, like we've learned a ton. So right off the bat, I'm in the red. Okay. Like I could buy it and I could, uh, we took the family out to Hawaii for three months to just be there. while I kind of work on the deal. We really, <laughs> we really just screwed around. It was awesome because the owner and his wife weren't that like, they were moving real slow, but I've been working on this one for like four years. I used to run these acquisition campaigns and like, you know, and, uh, close the deal right before the end of the three months. So I'm like, Oh crap. I need to be here. And I started having like this PTSD, like seriously reaction. Like it was early days, like steering the head Like, like I got to be here. I got to work 12 hours a day. I got to make this pure hell for six years. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Cause yeah, I, I even had uh, some partners that i did done a bunch of stuff with back out on that line. And I was like, it makes too much. This one just looks too good for me. And I loved, I, it just was, I, I always said after we sold and after I was complete, I said, if I go into this again, it's going to be high rent area, leasing fee in the marketplace and behind the times on, you know, everybody's not using one of the popular property management marketing companies, you know what I mean? Yeah. This one hit all the marks and I was helping this couple retire. So there was that element to it and they were having some issues. So I close on that and I found the who I was like, okay, I'm gonna start with who, but the who is getting my pay. You see what I mean? Like, okay, the company makes this much. Normally That client goes in there and works and we scale it. Right. In this case, I went, I want a who I want this software. I want this for this and this for that. Boom. Okay, so now Clint is running a company that's losing money every month. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because as I call people who don't know the background, they're they're the ones that like, have you seen this? That's how I got that screening report sent back to me. Like, well, since you're new, I thought I'd share some stuff with you. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, that'd be great. And and that's how I I was like, yeah, we actually created that like eight years ago. It was like embarrassing. (laughs) 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 But... Yeah. So I'm running it way more in the startup mentality. I mean, I heard the other day, like that uh, tenant cloud, you know, they, we made it free for three years. Like that was, I was like, that's, that's a great idea, but I'm not going to do that. I can't have this be free for three years. It was totally different, but you know what I mean? Like the yeah. different mentality. So what we're doing now is way more forecasting and projecting, like, where do you, where do you spend? That's going to make, you know, the lines cross black crosses the red or whatever Uh, your income passes your expenses. Now I have other projects, you know, and other businesses going on. So this is like a division. When I go CFO style on it and talk, this is a division and this division loses money, but I feel like it has the most blue sky. Mm -hmm. Um, But where I struggle is where to just where to dump the money. I it'll cross. I mean, it'll be profitable in like four months and all that was to accelerate it. You know what I mean? but it's such a different approach than all the times, everything else I've
2: done, it was bare knuckle. Jordan, where would would you dump the money, Jordan?
1: Yeah, man.
0: So there is so much going on here. What's interesting to me hearing you articulate this is like, Clint, you're speaking very gutturally from your personal experience, but there's a lot of clear ideas and paradigms that are implicit in what you're stating. So here's some that covered the first one was, was gripping that impulse of like, man, early on, there's some ambiguity here. What should I do? Just like bear hug it with effort and just work so freaking hard. I get sucked back into that too. Steve, I know you have that impulse from time to time. We've been through a cycle of getting to the point where we realized that the usage of constraints is actually a great way to improve the quality of work. The impulse to work a million hours is a bad one. It takes you to a dark place and it does not actually deliver the promise that you hope that you think it does. I still get sucked in. Guys, that happened to me like uh, earlier on this week, I had some stuff going on. And instead of like stepping back and solving with who I just wrapped my arms. Around. So I'll, I will admit that I am I'm guilty, but we're on the same page in terms of how to solve for it. So what you're saying is you're early in the business cycle. And from day one, you're trying to take the enlightened route, you're trying to solve with who, and to stay in that owner box, and that you're still, you're losing some money in the process. So that's a really interesting thing, because anytime we start talking about a justification or a rationalization for losing money, it's a little concerning, right? We hear folks say things all the time like uh i'm I'm losing money right now, but I'm staffed for growth and then the natural question is, well, are you growing or yeah. what is growth looking like looked like historically up to this point so I'd love to hear some more nuance from you like how are you um when you say four months from now, you intend on being profitable? What is that predicated upon? Because that's that's some near-term light at the end of the tunnel, but what's that predicated upon?
1: Classic, uh, classic, really good acquisition in that you go into a property management company and you buy it based on their revenue. And their yep. revenue is based on their management fee. They collect late fees occasionally, but don't actually enforce them. And an application fee. Hmm. And so you go, yeah, I'll give you three times on that. Because you know that your system the management fee is only like 40 to 50%. Mm. In management though, the catch is you can't implement all that stuff in one month and it doesn't pay off in one month. Mm. There's a number of systems you implement that you need lease turnover. Okay. Mm. So you can put a system in and it's going to take you three years to get saturation on it. That's just the way the business is. The expenses in, in my history, the expenses look like stairs and the growth looks like a ramp Mm. and the ramp gets close to that bottom point or high point every once in a while. But that it's just things, you know, so that that's going into it. there is as we roll out the systems and I knew I needed a high implementer. So um, I have that and we're cranking stuff out. So one of the things, as soon as we got the software set up, pile all the data in there, then I can make data driven decisions. Uh, really cool. Like I saw 90% of our leases were coming up over the next uh, four months between now and mm-hmm. September. So that changed what systems got implemented, right? An active renewal system, for example, where you have a month-to-month fee. You can negotiate the rent based on this fee. Hey, it's going to go up by the 85 bucks unless you renew. You guys know the game. Hmm. And, then, uh, and, the, and an, on a thing to the owner. And we, we threw an inspection in on the renewals. And the value went boom. So when we told the owners uh, we're going to do an inspection before we renew, I saw this during my deep dig on what's going on in pricing and value out in the marketplace. Uh, this thing's home running it, um, but what I really want to see is that I love that management number. You know, all the other stuff and sales and everything that's fine, but you're just month to month growth on the management number. And right now. Uh, we're in our third month and we're growing 1,000 to 1,500 a month on that base number. The ancillary stuff is cool, but I need that coming up every month because then you can start targeting and projecting. So mm. you just, I mean, you go in, like I remember talking to Kirk once or multiple times we were looking at his dashboard with, with Real. I know they've moved on and
3: mm-hmm. he's probably
1: on a yacht somewhere. But... <laughs> <laughs> he told me how they did acquisitions and it just blew my mind. He goes, we buy them. And then now this was back before acquisitions were way popular. And there were these Mm -hmm. big national firms like competing for them and stuff. They would buy them and they'd have them paid off in six months because of that same principle, like this company I'm buying it based on their value. And so you can go in and you can, the ones I've done, like I think people are surprised at how little I negotiate. I'm, I'm very generous. I want everybody to be happy. I don't like unhappy people, which is another reason I have to stay out of the management office. (laughs) <laughs> My staff, was like, you give it away. Why do you make all these checklists for enforcing things and give it? All right, I'll leave. Never <laughs> mind. I'm sorry, but I'm I'm overly generous because I really look at what we're gonna do with it. You know what I mean? Like this is what I can do with it, and you guys are happy with this number, and you'll stick around, and, and you'll help out, and you'll be positive about it and everything else. Um, that's where we're at on that one. I, does that give you a little bit more back? Like Denver. I see the potential, and three months in, I can do the projections, and I'm loving it to the point that I'm starting to say no to a lot of other things because I love the blue sky on this one. And like going to tribe, you guys have seen me, I'm I'm like energized at masterminding this stuff again because stepping out of the industry, checking out, and then making the conscious decision, like choosing to come back into this industry, I sometimes have to remind myself like, I bought this boat. Okay, cool. Well, let's polish the brass again, I guess. But... (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's, it's a whole new game from last time. Like you'll see in the tribe, we share a lot of processes and it's like, I'll be like, well, I am always up for it. I'm like, here's my stuff. These are horrible paper checklists, but they worked for 10 years. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of it because now it's like, you got all these whiz bangs doing all this new stuff and you're like, that's wildly interesting. And so relearning how to do it. I think we can do it way more efficient. This one has a home watch division which is really interesting to me right now because if you talk to uh, your interview jordan with the tenant uh, tenant cloud guy talked about home management i want that for my home when he was saying that mm-hmm. like i live in a house and i want to just be able to one time i had my house on my management company so i could just turn in work orders because it's like i need the baseboards in place because they got some water damage and i'm never going to get to that it's a classic electrician that never wires his own basement right
3: yeah yeah mm-hmm.
1: When he was talking about that home management, that's what's happening in Hawaii, Phoenix, Florida. And this company had a division of that because the people that want that were calling property management companies and saying, Hey, can you do this? And the guy that owned it was like, Oh yeah, how about 150 bucks a month? And it's, these are vacant homes and talk about a division that I'm just like, it's a new. So even in an old industry where I don't feel like I have as much to learn, I'm like, you know, it's a new one to like, ah, I get all excited about that. And Bringing that into the property management company, I see so much potential. I mean, $150 a door, and then you have some ancillary things you can add to that, and there's no tenant. Just look at in for a second. Because I was in a number of markets before where we were doing everything we could and fee maxing it to death to get to $150 a door. And these owners are paying $150 a door. They just take care of my house. And I've had a second home before, and I went looking for this service. Like, dude, I just need someone that knows... Who to call for what, you know, that this needs done, this needs done. I didn't buy a second home to go there and work every, you know, to go there and work every time. And when I looked at that industry, the crossover with property management, it's like, dude, we do 80% of this stuff already. Property management companies do 80% of it. Hmm. So that's my current like, I always have to have something new, like I'm digging into. Yeah. Of course. Of that's course. the one I'm gonna grow out there. That's the one I'm pushing. I want to get rid of the vacation rentals, to be honest. They did have a small vacational portfolio. But I'm probably going to offload that because that doesn't fit in my wheelhouse.
0: <laughs> so I love that that explanation on on acquisitions, man. That was that was beautiful. That was a beautiful articulation, beautiful masterclass in how to think about it. When people when we do see people in that conversation, they go on the forums and it's like, here's the portfolio, here are some numbers, what is it worth? And oftentimes, this is the missing piece. What it's worth today, if you're not going to change it, is very different than if you know you have a playbook where you're going to take the revenue per unit from 125 to 175 Well, that's a totally different conversation. So I love the way that you broke that out and that your assurance... I was wondering if you were going to say that you're going to get profitable in four months because you have these big growth plans. That is always such a big red flag when folks come and they say, i hear something along the lines of the business is somewhat dysfunctional but i know what i need to do i know that i need to double the size of my unit count within the next 12 to 18 months and i'm like man you know what? that's really really hard everything else aside making money on it but just doing that is very very yeah. hard so digging a hole what are we really after is it is that that we need to do that or is it that you just want more money like you want more profit what if we could double your profits and have you manage the same number of units which was, of which of those would be a more realistic and enjoyable paradigm to operate in
1: do you know like at what point in your property manager career did you truly actually realize that the door count doesn't matter because you'll still run into that all the time and well this door's door's door, door, door and you know, I don't. Know, I change. It's a complete and total, absolute game changer. The day you realize, oh, it's not doors I want. We've yeah. all seen people with increasing their door count and losing money. Yeah. It's a real thing.
2: Yeah, I, I was ju- I was jumping in, Clint, because that that happened for me like six months ago. Literally, it, it just happened for me where I really saw it, and it was when I met. uh, I don't know want to call him out, but um, uh, we know who he is, and. uh, He's actually going to join tribe at the end of the year. He told me, but, uh, I rode the train with him to coach and he just gave me his financials. He's like, here, check him out. (laughs) And he he manages, like I'm managing 620 units, give or take right now. And he's managing like 400 and he was crushing my business as far as like what he was making. And I was like, what? Like, I mean, he was making more money, like significantly more. And I was like, Holy crap. And uh, now he w- didn't have the growth I had. And I think the fees got in, in the way of that a little bit, yeah, but I mean, what are we in business to do? Like yeah, we're trying to make right. money. Right. I mean, and then we're also trying to throw off time for ourselves and other things, but from the bottom line, it was impressive.
1: Yeah. I, I, dude, I don't know why I get, well, I do know why, but I get pulled into talking to a lot of the hundred to 200 door crowd quite a bit. And um, they're like, you don't have this fee. Why don't you have this fee? And why don't you have this fee? And I'm like, because we wanted to grow they'll implement all these fees and then they'll wonder why new owners aren't coming to them or how do I get That's My favorite one. How do I get more multifamily? Like I don't have very many investors. I was like, well, your fee structure blows. Like it (laughs) sucks. I'm a multifamily owner. I went to your website and just like banned it from my laptop. Like I have to get like that directly. You have all these fees on here for the accidental homeowner and you want a 20 unit investor to come to you and pay you 10% plus a leasing fee and renew. They don't do that. They're not doing any of that. That's why they own 20 units. Like just
3: yeah. Yeah. It's not even So so
0: with like let's take that full full circle though cuz this is a really interesting conversation. I am of the opinion that fees and pricing are the wrong way to solve for growth. You can always drop your fees, drop your pants and you're going to you're going to grow faster. I I think that, that those are really two separate things. Growth should be solved through great marketing, great sales. And I know that you've done that. I know you've lived that. We've talked through it and i have seen some of the behind the scenes stuff and it's pretty uh, impressive. So what's, yeah. what's, the, what's the tension there?
1: I agree and disagree with you completely because <laughs> that at a point they do hit the fees. At a point, especially the investor is going to look at your fees. And there's a decision point there. You can market it to death. And, and I think it has to be within a range, you know, because I, I try to, I, I think it was, I don't remember where we were Jordan, but I tried to pin you down on that too. Like what fee structure is winning right now out there, right? Like what, and I think it's gotta be in a range. You can't just say it doesn't matter to growth because if your fees are not investor friendly, you won't attract that. You can have all the marketing and you can be doing the awesome content and blow things up for the multifamily owner. But at some point, they have to look at your contract, and they're going to look at your fees. So you can't have this process that, and be doing all this marketing saying, oh, we're the multifamily kings, we're the multifamily kings, boom, 12% management fee with a bunch of add-on fees. It's like, yeah, no, no. So it, I think I, I agree. How I agree is I agree you can't um, shape your growth with your fees, but you can. Ha- it can be a huge barrier to growth.
2: I think you get some fees in place that you believe in and then you get to work on the rest of your business and making an impact for your clients. Because I think there are people are missing the, the ball. They're taking their eye off the ball with like all of these new fees and like, yeah, well, this is how we sell it to the owner. And, And fees aren't bad, but I think you get a few you believe in. Maybe you look at some, but you, a lot of people I see, they're just like, they're just spending all their time in these new programs, these fees. And while companies like these big tech companies that have a lot of runway to burn money are actually just focusing all their time on how can we make this as cheap for the client and how can we make this the best experience for the client? And so they're spending 80% of their time in that sandbox where we're spending 10% of our time in that sandbox. And so ultimately that's going to catch up to us and, uh, you know,
1: We're being devalued because of that. But if you're in any market where you've seen these guys come in with the $80 flat fee, they disrupt your market. Yeah. They grow rapidly and it, and you are deciding if you're going to compete or if you're going to go high value. I I'm not the best one on fees because I know, I know most of them, but I've always stayed real friendly on the owner side like I because I'm an owner. Because like we were talking, you know, with our – I've stayed very friendly on the owner side. Very few fees on the owner side. I don't think that's the right – because I – the best growth we ever had was when the accidental landlord slowed down, okay? So, you're not managing all these homes that didn't even want to be rentals. Those owners are just pissed because their house didn't sell, right? Or whatever. And then before, all of a sudden, the investors woke up, right? And the, the accidental landlord slowed down and the investors woke up. And I was like, our business went too far this way, right? And when the investors woke up, you kind of went, okay, so, man, I really like these people. You know, like, it's just a, it's just a different approach to it. But you, if you weren't in the right position for that transition, when you didn't, you know, we, we've all heard about the companies that went all in on single family. Uh, it's like our last tribe call. Um, a couple of them that do multifamily were saying they don't leave you. Like they've seen that what's, you know, what's crazy is the people that do large multifamily, they'll say, they'll make comments. Like even the tenant cloud guy, you'll catch this all the time. They'll be like, Oh, I would never do single family again, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, so they don't leave. Yeah. When the investors woke up and started kicking around again and, and, uh, we're buying, um, Man, you just have to be aw- awake to those like market shifts. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it was, it was very dynamic. And the guys that were sitting there with these heavy accidental owner fees are still going, "Why? How come I still only have a hundred doors? How come I still only have hundred doors?" Hmm. Like because you're not even getting called. That's why they're not even uh, calling you. Yeah.
0: And I- I I, ooh, I just I gotta say, like we're definitely on opposite sides of this issue. <laughs> I hear what you're saying about catering to investors the same, based on the way that you have catered to accidentals and that yeah. being backwards. But when you look at the average guy managing 100 200 units, and you ask why he's not growing, the thing that you could most consistently be right about is because is that there is no functional sales and marketing. Yeah,
3: happening. yeah, pricing's, yeah. Pricing
0: here, are pricing's over sure. there but the broadest brush answer yes. is that there's no marketing going on. Yes.
1: At, at, that's way more important. That's way. Yes. You're hundred percent. Correct. You're hundred percent. Correct.
0: And
2: Clint, didn't you tell me one time, and I've, I feel like I'm seeing this now that the people that are just feeding the owner to death are losing them as fast as they can add them.
1: It's a churn. You'll see this in the, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I, you'll see this in a lot of the rail franchises. So when I was going deep on and I was calling franchise owners and going and touring their offices, um, real, will let you FEMAX max the debt. But what I found with talking to the actual franchise owners is, Hey, uh, owners get sick of 70, 80, $150 charges every month, just added on. Like, so there's a real expense to, uh, churning owners, you know, there's a real expense to that, to bringing them on and losing them at the same rate. Yeah. See that quite a bit. And Yeah, because they,
2: they own a house with no appreciation and then they buy it for cash flow and then they're like, huh, I'm losing money actually. This isn't fun. And then they get out of it,
1: kinda. No, they it's not what they're not making money. Yeah. Uh, what I was gonna say was when the own when the investors woke up and, and our owners loved us and we were real owner friendly, our our my favorite growth period was our owners started buying more properties. Now that's the ultimate success for me as a product management company. Yeah. These guys own property. We made them as profitable as possible. We made them that we added a ton of value so they could keep investing. The biggest failure in our industry is the guy that gets into property management or, sorry, decides to buy his first house, hires the management company, and the management company fee maxes him to death, killing his profit margin, and he can't buy any more investments, and he sells it and goes back to the stock market. How often do you see that? Versus the, my clients are like, well, this thing's killing it. I mean, yeah, add all the tenant behavior fees, put all those in place, but make it so your owners like advance and, and treat the single family, you know, as train them to be investors and start giving them investor style reports and do an annual portfolio review with them. And even if they're not an investor, talk to them, about, help them see the future in real estate and the freedom and the exit strategy and everything else it can become that's winning. And so, when my client, when we looked at it, and our biggest growth rate was our existing clients were buying more properties. That's a good day. That's a great day. And if your fee, if your fee, if you're overfeeing and have owner churn, you're not creating real estate investors, and we all lose. We should be creating tons of real estate investors. Yeah. We can destroy the stock market. We can destroy a lot of other investment opportunities out there. And if you're not doing that, I. You're hurting everybody. You, you do need to go out of business. Just go the hell away. Like, I don't even want, you should be out of this industry. And you will be. Like, you guys know, I don't, I don't hold back very much. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's
2: inspiring, though. You talk about ripple effect. That was really, you, that was well said. Because if you're looking for a rallying cry for your team, and I'll start with why, it's like, we are the difference between someone burning out and going back to the stock market or creating generational wealth for their family through real estate? And uh, and man, that fires me up. Like that's that's the ultimate. I think you nailed it, man.
1: I have a longtime investor who buys in a ton of different markets, and I would always ask him what he's seeing. How do your other statements look? How's this working for you? How are we comparing to these other guys? And um, after selling our company, I'm going to tread really light here. Okay. <laughs> those really big investors who you became really good friends with, because you would help them find deals, you know, and you'd help them do the run the numbers on it and, and scout it out. Huge value to them. Um, new owners take over and they start. Uh, how do we make more on this, right? Like, but, but not as much. How do we add value for the owners, but approaching it from how do we make uh, just more on these doors? When a few of our bigger investors stepped out, and they would call you because you have these long relationships. Hey, i, I got to terminate, man. I oh, We worked with that guy 10 years. Mm. At the end of the day, the performance on his property went down. And why? Because you fee maxed him. Mm. It's a real thing. Like, Jordan, I, I 100% agree. It is the mark, like on those 100, because you probably deal with way more than me. The 100 to 200 unit, they usually have a mess for marketing. They're usually in their own way. Like, for sure. They're like in their own way. <laughs> but fee sits down here somewhere. You know I mean? You got your marketing funnel and how you're yeah. bringing them in and yeah. how you're out there getting clients. But right down here is you're trying to make money in a conflicted area. You should be making money when they make money. Mm-hmm. And if you're making money off their weaknesses, like I make a ton off turnover and vacancy. And as an investor, I'm like, I hate turnover and vacancy. I don't know why I'm paying you during these periods. And since you have this giant, all these giant fees based on turnover and vacancy, I'm losing money, and you just made my pain points even more painful. What the hell? Mm-hmm. I don't think those companies last very long.
0: Yeah, that, that totally makes sense to me, and that's something that I'm less dogmatic about for sure. There's a million different ways that you can drive the fees. And I, I definitely hear what you're saying in terms of having segmentation around the type of owner because their requests, the way they interact are different. And so it makes sense to have a different pricing profile for them. The thing that I'm the most dogmatic about is for folks that are managing accidentals. If your rents are 1500 or less, the target range that we advocate internally with profit coach clients is that 15 to 20% of, of rent, that would be the target range of what you should be shooting for in terms of your revenue. Mm. per unit. Mm. If you have A investor that's going to be purchasing a bunch of properties, then you know you got some some scale considerations, and you could modify. But that fifteen to twenty percent of rent can be expressed with a giant base management fee, with heavy owner fees, tenant fees. I mean, you can feel the mix. Right. Overarching there is definitely alignment for sure. You got to make sure that marketing is not papering over misalignment in the interests of the client.
1: I think you're going to love this. So. I've been in markets where the average rent was like 700 bucks. That's when you get really good at Femax because you can't survive off 10% of 700 yeah. bucks. Yeah. Then you go hang out with guys like Steve and some of the others in our, in our long mastermind group. They're like the Californians and high rent area guys that are like, we don't have all this. They just like their eyes glaze over on Femax. And it's like, we're making our manager fee makes this worth it.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I go out, I'm in Hawaii, crazy high rents, but guess what they're not doing. It. They're not cash flow. These aren't, there's not very many multifamily owners. These are people buying a dream, and it, the numbers aren't great. And so this, this is fun for me. Like I'm like, wow, I, they don't as much speak the investor language. This is a house they want to move into when they retire. They want to come out and use it every once in a while, because you can't buy a house for 800,000 that rents for 2,000 and have great cash flow. You know you're nowhere even you might as well go buy properties in Indianapolis or through some of the wholesalers that can get you the 1% rule and just go vacation in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So this has been really fun to try and see, okay, how can we make these better? Well, that's what's shifting it to the total home services, protecting their investment. They want us to protect their investment. It's not as much of a cash flow conversation. That's been really, really interesting to go down that path. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this is very different. I sold my cabin because of this, but th- these guys are okay. We need, they have a house out here and they want it cared for. And it's moving us in that direction it's that it's a really fun uh experiment because I'm like multifamily investor minded big time you know like I'm like or no i shouldn't say multifamily that that sounds like two door properties i'm talking portfolio investor minded it's uh that one's kind of fun man
2: well I think you're in a good uh position to take the people that have these property like that's the problem i have with the annual portfolio review for our clients and stuff because the
1: numbers don't look that great right yeah Um, Yeah, i'm not gonna do that and i should clarify see but i'm not i can't do that in hawaii i thought i would and i'm like oh this this thing sucks
2: right i mean when you factor in appreciation and stuff things look a lot better um and there's there's you know different ways you can look at it but what we're starting to see and what we're going after, and I think Clint, you're already in a great position to do, is we're having these people all the time from because we're talking about investing in our videos and stuff. Like, hey, I want to, I want to buy a cash flow in another area or something. Do you know where? And so there's these places they can go buy these turnkey places in Memphis yep. or wherever it is. But the, I think that the gap is they don't tr- they don't know where to start and they don't trust anybody. So like, if you're the trusted advisor. Mm. We have uh, uh, Bryce on our team right now, going out to Kansas City, going out to like St. Louis, these different markets and establishing relationships and using that as a, to build our portfolio, number one, but also number two, hey, we have 600 owners that we want to bring with us to this market. Um, And, and they'll, you know, but we want do well by us and then have build the trust and then we can, they can come over. I think you could do that similar thing with your Hawaii people going into Idaho or some of the other places you consult for.
1: Oh, you want cash flow? That's over. You know, we're able to play the nation. (laughs) We're able to play the nation like the stock market now. I mean, mean, look at how automated and centralized a lot of the property management services are. So you can, one of the, uh, there's a wholesaler in, in, uh, in Indiana who basically left California because he couldn't get the 1% rule this years ago and took off on a road trip across the country, looking at properties until he found, he landed in Indianapolis. It's It's an awesome story. Because um, he found the one percent rule, he's been there for six years wholesaling property. Like, but now as an investor, I can sit in Guam and buy properties in Indianapolis and have good management. And you know what I mean? Like, you're able to. Okay, California's going down, Kansas City's going up. You know what I mean? You're yeah. able to just man the, and the data's there. Finally, I don't think the data was there ten years ago that we have now. I, it's kind of, it's kind of getting really cool how well you can invest nationally.
2: In, yeah. Hey, I want to ask one more question uh, about tenant cloud. You had mentioned that these services I'm so
1: about that as an owner, by the are way, coming.
2: Yeah. So this is my question. So you said it's so cool. You're considering using it on properties you own. Now <laughs> sure. that scares me because you're a big time and freedom guy. And if the service is that good, it, Like it's still going to require your, your brain. Right. And it's still going to require some of your time, even if it does all the fun stuff. So like, am I not seeing
1: it or. Okay. So let's say you own over 50 doors, right? Right. You start, let's, you know, how many of the people in our NARPM space manage for clients with over a hundred doors, say 80 doors, not very many, because there is a point where the NARPM crowd fee structure does not make sense for the owner. If you go to the, um, what are those, those conferences? I don't know, it's it's not IRM, it's uh IMN. I am in. If you go to IMN, a- every property management company owner should go to an IMN conference because there'll be a panel at some point where someone talks about self managed versus hiring out. Mm-hmm. And this I am in is all these owners, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, investors. Okay. And it's very eye opening when you see that there is a bad taste in over 50% of the people in there in hiring out the property management.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And they you'll you'll sit in there and you'll see and just go in there, just tear back all your bias and go in there with a completely open mind. You know, I'm a huge fan of going to other like go to an NAA conference because you'll see what technology is coming our way. You'll see what stuff's coming our way. You go to the IMN conference, you get to be around owners that are scaling portfolios, portfolio owners, and see how they talk about property management. It's a completely different vibe because. Of all those bad ones out there, and you know, and this and that, or they hit scale, and there is a scale I get excited about because okay, three four years ago we went looking for like I think software is going to be free. I think property management software should be free, and I I just signed up for Propertyware again, and it was cheaper than what I was paying before because they're just grabbing the they're grabbing the screenings and the the rent payment, and they've realized that we're running millions and millions of dollars. Through and they can grab a little transaction fees every month. I mean, there's tons and the free software race, and it wasn't a clear winner. But now there's a couple that are kind of the clear winners. And when they get talking about being able to automate, we're we're this close. All you need is that you need like the Uber task guy. Okay, like I need to be able to put a task on. Hey, in Kansas City, I need someone, and I have it checklisted to go do this at a property. And there's people on there that go do physical tasks in Kansas City, like an Uber driver, right? And you can see they've got 287 reviews, and you'll pay 20 bucks an hour or whatever per task. You'll pay 20 bucks for this task, and they can go do it, whatever it looks like, right? I know that these things exist. But when you, when you get out of it and you start looking, what are we missing in the marketplace to do this completely remote? We're this close, dude. We're this close to just being able to manage properties nationally without having brick and mortar in every place really easily um, because of how much we can centralize. So I look at going, okay, I could move my portfolio to tenant cloud. This is my own fun, like building and then build my systems around fill in the gaps, right? Okay. So how do I do a turnover inspection in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but build everything out? And in some markets, they already have that plugged into that software. They're going that direction. And that's exciting. To me. They're like, okay. His frustrations were my frustrations in that interview he was talking to Jordan about, where he's like, you got five different uh, management companies with five different statements coming in, and you need someone to centralize it. We actually hired an uh, accountant that was on bigger pockets to just centralize all of our property data and give us one report. So we're doing the statement that way. Um, it's a real issue for the portfolio investor, that how, how segmented it is. I, why, isn't, why aren't our fees standardized like the real estate world? You know what I mean? Like, why are they all over the place? Why can't we just be still? <laughs> I think that would solve a lot of the problems, honestly. Is it's like pro- property management's this much and it's the same like across the board, you know, but they're all tearing at each other's throats already in real estate anyway. So I don't know if it helped, help but There's a pain point there. The pain point is I own multiple properties, in multiple areas. I don't want to have to hire five different property management companies and figure out what they're doing I could I could centralize this, build out the systems, and maybe have a, a VA. Yeah,
2: it. yeah, because that makes sense. I get it. Because you, if you're talking fifty, a hundred units, yeah, that's the natural progression is to bring it in house, hire the one person, and you're, they're running it through tenant cloud. So that makes sense.
1: Unless your management company will recognize your scale, drop their fee and value you a lot. Right, which some have, but if go, it's a real. You know, at some point, especially if you have all the systems, you break a hundred doors in your own portfolio. That ten percent adds up.
2: Jordan, what's your take on you know what disruption Tenacloud? like that level?
0: Uh, I was really interesting to hear you say that, Clint, because I feel like a lot of folks look at tenant cloud and they take solace or comfort in believing that you can't do what we do—the local guy with the boots on the ground is always going to be the best, et cetera. Um, that's that comforting push back in some cases it's delusional because the person on the ground simply isn't that great in other cases there may be forms of leverage there but i mean you're pretty dismissive of it and you do (laughs) you're a property manager like so what does that what does that mean for the it's offensive it's (laughs) offensive (laughs) what is the unique advantage of the property manager the boots on the ground what's the edge that that person is going going to have that software won't have
1: well, I look at the vacation industry, um, you know, like six, seven years ago, someone stood up in a NARPAM room where they, they did that horrible open mic thing. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <What do you laughs> about cat piss? Oh, I'm leaving the room. Here goes two hours. But someone got up and said, the vacation rental market is so self-managed that that's going to come our way. 79% of properties are self-managed. And we have got to stop this. From and She goes on this fear-based rant. And, um I just remember thinking seventy nine percent are self, and I was digging into the vacation world, well okay, vacation properties turn over every week. Why is it easier to self manage my vacation rental than my long term rental mm-hmm. The vacation world there's books and systems they make it easy for you to self manage dude and so I'm getting to your question because what makes it easy is in the markets that have vacation properties, their service is just for that. So there's cleaning people who just do vacation rentals. They love their, you know, they they, they will come around and they'll, they'll do the, they'll do pictures. They'll show what's damaged. This is a cleaning person is the boots on the ground for you in the vacation world. When I ran our way, we, we ran our, um, we started doing vacation rentals a while back and we didn't have to go there. We didn't need boots on the ground. This thing's turning over every week. And basically, what we needed done, the cleaning person was doing, and that opens your eyes to what um, what do we actually need to go to the property for? what do we actually physically need to be there for? When I say it's offensive, I know it's not a popular thing to be in the management industry going, I think we have like two or three years I think we're being disrupted right now, like I think we're being disrupted right now, and some people don't even see it
2: yeah, that's offensive i wouldn't argue with that you know it's hard to say when when that Will change. Well, so I get excited about it,
1: so I'm excited about being part of that, yeah. and that's what should change. Is like I'm excited about being part of that, dude. We can manage company. We can manage properties for our current clients. So look at it that way. So that's what I would do. You ask as a property management company owner, I would go, okay, we have these 500 owners or whatever, right? How many of them own properties in other markets?
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: and okay, first of all, are you their favorite management company? Get to that point. Get to where you're their best management company, mm-hmm. and then say. Hey, you have a 20 unit complex in Vegas. We can actually manage that for you. La, 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 Ooh, la, la, la. like that. Here's the numbers. Here's the thing. Steve, if you're talking like going to Kansas city or Indi- Indianapolis or those markets, the best way to go into those markets is with an owner. Yeah. You know, You have an owner that has 30, 50 doors out there and he loves what you're doing in San Diego. Hey man, we have a system. We can manage that for you out in Kansas city. There's your growth, man. For, screw the brick and mortar and the, staff in a full office and everything else, figure out how to solve the pain point. And the pain point for the portfolio investor is I'm sick of dealing with multiple people charging me multiple different fees and tracking who's making money where. Hmm. Like if Steve Wealthy's business is killing it for me and I have properties in eight different cities, I want Steve's system in Phoenix. So if Steve can get his system to work in Phoenix, Steve gets all my doors. Wow.
2: Wow. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> that makes so much sense. I think one of the keys is creating an easy to follow system that your average handyman cannot screw up to number one, turn the property. Yeah. And then you just need uh, an average sy- or a system to have an agent throw a lo- or no, the handyman throws the lockbox. I, there's people doing this already.
1: You need someone with FaceTime. Yeah, I can do the walkthrough on the property if I wanted to Yeah, hey dude, go over to that house and turn your damn phone on and walk around and talk to me. Now right. point at that. Now point at that now. Now point at that. And so I could take my best property manager in San Diego and have them. You just need you need someone to go do it. And we're this close, you know, and in some markets we're already there. And your best property manager can actually walk them through the walkthrough. Now you'd want it to be checklist and systemized. And here's exactly what you do. But the vacation market, the vacation industry, the vacation rental industry already has this completely bolted down because the services came there. So like what Jordan was talking about, that's, that's your real value is if you have the services available. So a really good management company in Indianapolis, say that has a team that only paints houses or a team that, you know, that you see in the multifamily. If they open those services up to you, then your management is awesome because now you can provide those services in Indianapolis, but run it through your management company in San Diego.
2: That makes sense. All right. I gotta go. I have uh some work to do on that. <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: I'll go too, dude.
0: So so listen, I, I, I got an episode with a guy named Alex Nig with a company called um Propify, I I think it is, coming out next week. And it's like on the same thing where they, do a, they provide a service for both software and back-off services in the vacation rental space. It's national. They have this crazy system for doing all this stuff. This is really interesting, but it clarified for me, Clint, that what you're doing is basically having a preference towards a certain type of client. What I'm picking up on is that you believe that the investor is the tier one, grade one client because of the fact that they're willing to spend, willing to buy more units, they're extensible, you can branch out into other markets, there's more potential loyalty. So it sounds like, in large part, some of this pushback on pricing, etc, is simply because you just have more of a bias towards being one, you are one, you own a bunch of properties, you have more empathy, more bias, and more belief in building the business around investors. Am I hearing that right? Or am I putting words in your mouth?
1: Yeah, I want to add one thing to that the guy that comes to you with his first rental home could become an investor. Right. And if you see him as, okay, I need a hundred of these. I need, and you start seeing him as a revenue source only. You're not, he's not, you're not going to make him into an investor. This is why I say. And when we all make more real estate, we make more people see how awesome real estate is. So I look at that guy differently. He comes to me with his first and I have, names I could give you where they come to you with their first rental they're just dipping into it if it's a bad experience you just probably got rid of a real estate investor and you killed it for all of us you killed it for the title companies the real estate agents the other management companies in other areas because you fee maxed or whatever you know what forget fees you're a shitty management company and you didn't even take care of that property for him you let it get burned over you let tenants destroy it because you didn't screen properly you can just go operations on it right Mm -hmm. But now that guy goes with a really good management company that is concerned about his ROI and his lifestyle and his freedom, because that's why he's coming to you. Now that guy, five years later, has the 20 units, has the 30 units, and you've helped him scale. Similar to what I was doing with my employees. I have uh, clients that have been that. Dude, that's, that's winning. So, yeah, I do. I have a lot of bias towards the portfolio investor, because I see these guys that have one property, and I know how much more successful they'll be if they can get to
2: five of those and i can't really see the argument for the accidental landlord being the tier one customer mm-hmm. I, I think it is an op- opinion but it, it they churn the investor churns less they're in longer um they're more stable i mean i guess it just comes <laughs> down to stability but but i guess there you could you could argue either way i could see that
0: is there any is there any revenue we're missing here, Clint? Are you making meaningful income for, on the brokerage side with the um, the investor?
1: What do you mean when they buy more properties? Correct. I've a lot of people chase maintenance around. I've always thought sales is uh, would be better. I mean, you should maybe do both. But yeah, yeah, of course, you can make money on the bro. I didn't. So to tell you the truth, in the the company we had. The one of them for the, the longest time, uh, no. You know what I did? I found the best investor focused agents and I worked with them. And the best clients, they would tell their clients, it's okay, how many times do you see an investor buys a fourplex and then comes to the management company? Okay, because the agent told him it's gonna rent for this, and it's gonna do all this. And then they show up at the management company and you're like, Oh, you bought a dog, right? versus these agents to say hey we're going to meet at that we're going to go look at four fourplexes and clint or ralph from the management company is coming along so he can run rental comps for you and because he manages properties all around this and he'll give you the actual numbers no i let let the realtors make their slice let you know that was then right obviously you you can grab that chunk but there's a lot of things you get into in property management that create a conflict of interest for the investor once again If I bring all my maintenance in-house and I just sit there and raise the rates and raise the rates, if I'm not doing maintenance to to do better to, if I'm just trying to, man, I mean, you can bring it, bring sales in-house, bring maintenance house bring all this stuff in-house. I get it because that's, you know, and you control way more of it. But if the investor's not winning, you're losing. I guess that's what I should say. Like if if you're doing the brokerage and you are better at it, which you should be because you have a management company. And if you're doing the maintenance and you are better at it, than what they can get out of the phone book, then yeah, you're winning and you, you can control way more of it. And they can be even more successful because now you're helping them buy better properties right at the beginning. You make the money when you buy the property. Uh, and then you can, you can help them win when they uh, do their maintenance and stuff because you're not bilking them to death, trying to kill them. Uh, you, all of those are to help the investors win. If you have that, that's my bias is like, yeah, bring maintenance in house, but it better be to help the owners. As in it better be the you better be running the maintenance the way I want it I want it done on my investment property. If you're just going to uh, license plumber charge me 150 bucks an hour and you're going to hire a handyman and have him do plumbing and charge me 145 an hour, you're not my management company. But if you're going to be like you hear uh, them talk, but if you say we have a painting team because we have a thousand units, we have a team that only paints doors, and we have a team that does this, and we we offer that scale to you. That was one of the best things we did was like, you know, you see like these rent protection and uh, eviction protection things. Where they make sense is because you're a small investor. You have one or two properties. We manage a thousand properties. There are huge advantages to owning and having a thousand properties. We're going to bring that scale to you because we can spread that out. We only do one eviction every two months. Now, if you have one eviction hit yours, it's going to hurt. What we're doing is, I think a management company can do, is bring the advantages of scale to the individual investor. And that's how we can clean your carpets for cheaper. We can help you find your next property for cheaper. We can offer you rent protection and spread out all the risk amongst all our owners. Huge value add. for the, for the And that's what will make him become a scalable, like, wow, I can retire at age 40 because I built this portfolio because I had a good partner in it that was out for my best interest. Mm-hmm. You see why I can't talk much at a lot of events? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I tend to just piss people off sometimes, of like, well, that's how I make my living. I know that's how you make your living. I just disagree <laughs> with it.
0: So if we just if we take a full circle and we dial in on the levers that you're actually advocating that are being moved by this strategy, I'm hearing that your organic acquisition is going to be strong, which lowers your customer acquisition cost, and hopefully your churn is going to be lower. And as your churn goes down, it'll improve your unit lifetime value. Um, those are like the specific levers I'm imagining would be influenced in this model to make this viable. Would would you say that's those are the primary levers that that make it have parity with somebody that's purely focused on revenue optimization?
1: Yeah. I hate those meetings where you're talking revenue optimization and no one says, how is this better for the owner? But here's a number that nobody tracks that they should. How much in-house growth did we have this year? So how many of our existing clients bought more properties this year? Like, okay, you added a hundred doors this year. How many of those were bought by existing clients because you made them enough money to keep buying real estate?
0: Right. Okay. So, so just last thing on this. BMG. You grow BMG, man. Like, was this your growth strategy, or were you shelling a bunch of money for a pay per click and blah blah blah?
1: We didn't spend hardly anything on marketing, did we? So were doing this vi- yeah. We were we were making videos and informing and teaching uh, ahead of time. We did. We had almost no pay per click uh, budget. We um, we were big on community marketing. And video and and teaching and giving the information away for free online and partnering with the right real estate agents. We don't go out and do donut day to all the agents. You look at the numbers and you go, okay, there's three or four. It's it's the with agents, I think it's like a 95-5 rule. Five percent of the agents are doing all the work. So get to know them. But then find the ones in your area that just do investors, the specialists, and work with them. Um, that's free, by the way, and is way more uh, beneficial than say plowing money into stuff that you're not going to come. And we answered our phone. How about that idea? There's a novel idea. Answer your damn how, phone. How many units were you at when you sold? We probably shouldn't go too far down that path. Fair enough. Is <laughs> a sniper
2: ready to take you out or what?
1: <laughs> I, I really like what they're doing. I'm a big fan of a national property management company. Um, it's a horse race going on. And I can't give a, an unbiased opinion on it right now.
2: Are you reading that off a, a script? <laughs>
1: <laughs> gonna be, someone, yeah, pretty much. Someone's going to walk in and hand me a file and go, are you Clint Collins? Yeah. How's it going? You've been served. Oh, damn it. <laughs> no, it's just, you gotta be honest, right? Like there's one company that gave me, uh, that's that I'm still helping and, uh, gave me a good check. So, that's not a good area for me to comment on. It's all good, yeah. man. I
0: hear you. I just wanted to quantify the growth impact. The bottom line is that you had you had significant growth. Your numbers look like what the kind of numbers that somebody would be. Yeah. Like. But
1: to answer, you know, better answer to your question is absolutely the whole time because we were investors first. Yeah. We were investors first. And to grow our portfolio, our portfolio needed to make money.
0: Yeah. Okay. I dig it. It's just a really different, it's just, it's two different strategies. It's hard to conflate. The two. That's what I'm taking away, Steve. Is this you is know, well, wait though, because look,
1: start asking Jordan for the fun of it. You work with a ton of property management company owners. Ask them what their exit strategy is and ask okay. them if they own real estate. Because those two questions, you, you'll see me throw it all the time. Like, so what is your exit strategy? Because they're like, I'm going to add this shiny new thing and I'm going to sign up for all this crap. And I'm like, well, where are you going with this company? Because mine was, the reason we sold was the amount offered to us Got the uh, was able to put our portfolio to the point we wanted it to. So our portfolio's here, and our company's worth this. But we want our portfolio
3: here—cash
1: mm-hmm. portfolio. Now I have that. I became the owner. Free. Freedom, freedom, and then I said, "Hey, why don't I go buy another one of those damn things?" <laughs> <laughs> awesome,
2: man. Yeah. This is really cool. What I'm taking away from this is the investor mindset is so important. And when it's absent, you lose focus because we're trying to focus on the customer, but the customer is the investor. So if you're thinking investor first, you're making sure the investor wins. If you look at uh, Chris Clothier at PM Grow, who's managing 5,000 plus units, he said 65% or something of his growth came in house.
1: That's that, Yes.
2: Yeah. And Most so, people don't know that number. Yeah, and so I'm really interested personally in like we're we're about to, you know, start buying some places out out of state and now I'm thinking, no, we'll manage it ourselves. We'll figure it out like because <laughs> that's the that's like the next thing <laughs> that that's whatever that's where it's going. So almost a real world you know, scenario, and then telling owners like, "Hey, we're out here. You own out here. You know, following owners different places. Uh, that's kind of new and exciting to me.
1: So that's kind yeah. of the takeaways I got, man. That's it. Could be, if you don't, someone else will, Steve. Yeah, if you don't manage their property in Kansas City, you help them find it. Someone else will manage it, and guess what they'll do next?
2: V-max them.
1: No, they'll do such a good job they'll take over their property in San Diego. Oh, right. <laughs> 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 right, right, right. <laughs> they'll unlock the box and figure out how to do it. (laughs) I I love these challenges, man. That's what I get excited about. Like, it's coming. Come on. We all know it's coming. So be a part of it. Totally.
0: Man, you guys are going to like snipe me into starting a property
1: management company. Just like remotely. Oh, we could have a whole different. That's a whole different hour conversation. I could talk you out of that forever, man. Forever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> we should probably we should probably wrap up. This is one of our longer episodes, but yeah, I could definitely talk for a couple more hours to you, Clint. I really dig this and uh, really appreciate you open up and just like kind of sharing what's rattling around in your brain. You've got a ton of experience and love you having you be a part of the,
1: the now, tribe. All your way, dude. I'd like seriously, Jordan. The perspective I don't think you understand. Like, I'll ask you a question at dinner or something. You'll say one line and it changes my path completely. The perspective <laughs> you bring to our industry huge, massive, yeah. massive gratitude. Like what's funny is I had some ideas to what to talk about to have a mastermind conversation here. We didn't talk about any of them.
2: <laughs> I know we didn't talk about, we, we didn't talk about any of them, but, but that's good. Part
1: the tribe though, dude, like you can throw these things out to your tribe and you get 15 different property management company owners perspective yeah. and their forms and their systems. And what comes out of that 15 better ways to do it. Cause everybody they might only make a degree change where they might need the whole system from the person. Dude, it's 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 10x city. And so I, I gotta seriously throw out some huge gratitude, Steve, for you having the guts mm-hmm. to make that pitch we were laughing about earlier to just say, I want a mastermind. And not not free because now it's an action. It's like when when you go to these new events like door or growth summit, right? You go to Growth Summit versus what we had before Growth Summit and you see, oh, it might be worth it to pay for these things. So, they're professionally managed for us. You know what I mean? (laughs) And that's what I see going on with Tribe. It's like, dude, this is next level, man. This is awesome. So, I I owe a ton to you guys because as I dive back in the industry, to be connected with you guys and be able to throw things out of that Tribe, uh, when I said like that like we were talking jordan where you plow into it and you throw everything in your backpack and think you have to do it Mm. it's my connection with you guys and through the tribe that has made it like i can do this in four months now took me six years last time i'm gonna do it in four months this time because of you guys
2: awesome man i appreciate that that's huge
0: did you enjoy this episode please share with a friend and leave a review on itunes if you'd like to find out more about joining the tribe, go to tribe mastermind.com to understand why
3: the best and brightest mastermind with us.